welcome aboard. The waves go in and the waves go out. Well, the waves came in and you landed on the shores of Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we help people create their lives rather than define them and to explode into their life through full impact mindfulness. If you're welcome nowhere else, you're welcome here. The only price of admission is the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. I'm Jim Ellermeyer. I'm a behavioral health therapist, and as promised on our social media platforms, tonight we revisit and get reacquainted with our good friend Maureen down in Texas. So uh, for those of you who may have know about Marine. If not, you can certainly look at episodes 250 and 251 to find a bit about Marine's background and her journey through life, uh, which landed her in this particular spot. Could you tell us where you are at, Marine, right in this moment physically? Yeah, definitely. Um, I am sitting on the couch in my apartment. Um, I was working from home today grading papers um, because my students submitted their final field trip reports. Um, and I am going to be making cookies later for a bake sale. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> okay. So could you tell other than physically, could you tell our friends out there in universe land, uh, what you're doing with your life in the moment, what's going on around you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'm currently, um, a graduate student at Texas A&M University in the fifth year of my doctoral program, studying plastic pollution on Texas beaches. I'm also, um, as part of my degree program, I'm a teaching assistant for marine biology and invertebrate zoology labs. Uh, And then in my free time, when I'm uh, not doing research or mentoring undergrads, um, I enjoy activities like playing the trombone, or uh, I actually went scuba diving this weekend for the first time in over a year. We talk about people as they go through roads of life and encounter uh, various situations. Uh, and could you just briefly give us a background on Marine and the issues that she's dealt with in her life uh, and the accomplishments that you've made? Yeah. Uh, so one thing, um, one thing that's part of my identity. Um, just like you would be a, a son, a daughter, a brother, or a sister, is I am legally blind, um, and that encompasses a lot of visual acuities. Uh, for me, that means I don't see out of my right eye, and I have poor vision in my left. Um, so for me, that has always presented something, uh, a challenge since birth, uh, but I'm really fortunate to have parents and teachers and support systems who have taught me to use tools and accommodations along the way to um, get equal access to education and the world around me. Uh, but it's also made me a really good problem solver. Um, I've kind of had to think outside the box um, and also grow up a little bit faster, if you will, um, as a kid. Uh, so with that, I use things like voiceover, text-to-speech, and I can also read Braille. So if you ever need anything read in the dark, just let me know. Uh, let's see. Other things about me, um, I also struggle with uh, mental health, so anxiety and depression. And for that, I seek both um, medical treatment um, as far as seeing a a doctor for medication. And then also I attend counseling. Um, 
And both of those have been game changers, but I will say that everybody's journey is different and it's like the ocean, right? It goes in and out and it has different, different forms and different seasons, if you will. Um, so everybody's journey is different. Uh, but it, I think really the biggest thing I've learned throughout my life, uh, even with all the challenges is you need to have good people around you to help, help you along the way. You can't do everything yourself. Well, that's a difficult proposition for some people to encounter as we live in this individualistic society, Marine, that always says that you should be able to conquer any problem on your self-will. Uh, but we've always found that discomfort is a wise teacher. Mm-hmm. Working smarter, not harder, availing yourself of opportunities. So what we try to do is help people explore opportunities and possibilities and the ability to make choices and understand that there is going to be some discomfort, discouragement, and pain along the way. But a life can still be well worth living, even enduring some painful situations. Yes. Yeah. Uh, For those who don't have video, I'm shaking my head. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, we'll always enjoy seeing you here. That's one of the luxuries that we have sitting in the studio. Um, However, there's been much uh, talk on both sides, much propaganda backed up by evidence about people about climate change and all the things that fit into this sphere that make climate change possible. And one of the things that is making climate change and what is changing the environment of the world is pollution. And I am particularly interested in your particular focus in your research. So could you tell us about that? So when I first came to Texas uh, to start my doctorate, I honestly had no clue what I wanted to do for research. I just knew that I wanted it to do with climate science and the ocean somehow. Um, And throughout my first year here, I went out with my advisor and my lab mate and we got to the beaches. And one thing that I would see every single time was trash. And for someone who didn't grow up on the coast, I grew up in Arizona. um, I I had heard about the problem. Um, Having gotten my degree in marine biology, I'd read about the problem, but seeing it firsthand as someone who wants to be a steward of the ocean and an ambassador for the the seas um, really struck me and hit home. So I figured, you know what, I have an opportunity to take my research for my doctorate and tailor it to make a difference. Um, So after some discussion with my major advisor and my research committee, which is other faculty and staff who, uh, other professors who help grad students like with their research project and guide them. Um, I decided to do my research on plastic pollution on Texas beaches because um, it's just not well documented in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, Plastic pollution in general has something that's been known about for a long time, but in the realm of scientific research is probably only 40 or 50 years old. Um, But the first papers coming out really in the 1960s or 70s, but with like the most like recent slew of papers really coming out in the 1990s, 2000s. Um, So there's just not a lot that we know 
Um, and so my goal was to just figure out, well, are, is there plastic pollution on the beach and trying to document this in a scientific way? Um, and then how is it impacting the wildlife or the, the marine animals on the beach? So could you educate us a little bit about on what exactly plastic is and how pervasive it is, not only in American society, across the world? Yeah, definitely. So plastic can consist of a couple of different polymers or just materials. We'll just use the word materials. Um, so you'll notice that if you buy a milk carton, it's not going to be the same kind of plastic packaging as if you were to buy um, a plastic bottle with olive oil in it, or it's not going to be the same kind of plastic that you use when you get a cereal wrapper. Um I would say like grocery shopping is probably where I see a lot of plastic. And then again, um, like product packaging. So the plastic comes in a lot of different forms and there's primarily five different types. So if you look on the bottom of any kind of plastic product, there'll be a number one through five. And that tells you what kind of material it's made out of and how it can be recycled. So typically when we think of recycling, we think of plastic, cardboard, glass, paper, but that plastic can be broken down into even further uh, groupings. So for example, yogurt containers are type five plastic and need to be separated um, individually at the recycling plant. Um, so it, it gets even more complicated. Like not all plastics are, are created equal. Um, so this goes from everything that you see in plastic packaging at the store, takeout containers, um, product packaging, um, everything at restaurants. I think Recently, straws has been a really big uh, thing on social media with Dr. Christine Figuner and the straw coming out of the sea turtle's nose. But really, uh, straws are just the beginning, and it's only one form of plastic. Um, and to give you an idea, when we go out to the beach, it's not necessarily always people leaving their trash. Uh, the trash washes in from the waves. Um, because it's bits and pieces of like bottle caps or um, plastic wrappers. Um, so these are larger plastic items that have been broken down and weathered into tiny pieces um, that have been carried by the ocean. Uh, so it's, it's really, really prolific. Um, so Maureen, what is the lifespan of plastic? Oh my gosh. Um, so. Plastic can last in landfills for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years, um, but it'll just break down into tinier pieces, which I think people think, oh, well, if I can't see it, it's not there. Um, but basically just imagine taking a paper, putting it through a shredder, and then taking all those paper shreds and just scattering them all over your living room as opposed to having a whole bunch of like eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper. That's basically what's happening. The plastic is still there. It's just in these little microscopic pieces. Um, so it doesn't really truly degrade like we would think of compost or something that gets recycled back into uh, the planet. Can plastic bottles be recycled? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know all the specifics on this, but it is a big question in industry right now. So the biggest thing you can do uh, is to just try to avoid the use of plastic as much as you can. Um, usually aluminum or glass is a better alternative to plastic, if at all possible. 
or cardboard. When I was looking at this, Maureen, one of the issues about recycling plastic is that it has such a low melting point that you can't get the heat high enough to burn out the contaminants that may be in, mm-hmm. incorporated in the plastic. And uh, there is just so much of it. I was doing some research in preparation for talking to you tonight, so I wouldn't like a, look like a total ignoramus. Uh, I was that... It's a uh, by, big problem. By 2050, <laughs> it said that there'll be, by weight, there'll be more plastic in the ocean than there'll be fish. Yeah, it's it's a really big problem. And I think as much as researchers are focusing our efforts on cleaning up the trash, we really need to focus on finding alternative sources to plastic. But like anything, change is hard. And producing and making plastic is already incorporated into industry and it's cheap. Um, and I, I think a lot of big companies are afraid to make those sustainable changes. Uh, for example, one of my one of my favorite examples is like we sold milk in glass bottles until the 1960s. And then we transferred it to plastic because it was cheaper and lighter to transport. Cheaper, cheaper and lighter to transport. When I, I'm just thinking like uh, when my kids were young, even today, my grandchildren, uh, almost all the toys are made of plastic. Uh, I think of toothbrushes. They're all made of plastic. Uh, mm-hmm. It's... Uh, plastic bags in the grocery stores, uh, just the disposable cups that you get drinks in. There's there when you think about it, it is just everywhere. Uh, one of the things that frightened me, Maureen, was when they talk about the micro beads, and yes, they're in soaps, they're in body washes, cosmetics, those type of things, and that seems to be a very insidious type of pollution. So yeah, microbeads, what a great topic to bring up. Um, Those are actually purposefully made to be tiny. Uh, And so for anyone listening, microbeads, a microblastic is anything less than half a centimeter in size. So maybe about the tip of a Ticonderoga pencil eraser or smaller. Um, And so uh, like they're they're so tiny and they're made to be tiny for that reason. And the the reason they put them in beauty products or soap scrubs is that claims to be an exfoliant. So all it does is go on your skin, you know, quote, exfoliate, and then goes down the drain into the water system. Um, so there have, there has been a push for some cosmetics to get microbeads out. But the biggest thing I can encourage is just, use bar soap or um, now there are alternatives for bar shampoo and bar conditioner um, as opposed to buying it in plastic bottles. Um, But you, you have to think about another thing with being an eco-friendly consumer is having that headspace for it. And not all of us do, right? Some of us are just in the mindset of trying to get through the day get through our jobs, make a meal, get to bed, you know, do the chores. We don't have that extra headspace to be thinking about buying green products. Um, And so I think as much as all of us, you know, want to be responsible as consumers, we need more help from the companies themselves to make sustainable consumerism possible. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in 
applying the colors of Fishing Without Bait. Click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.